This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So this morning, as, uh, as Corey mentioned, we're beginning a new sermon series on the book of Daniel. And we, uh, this has been part of our pattern uh, as a church uh, for many years where we pause in the summer and let Memorial Day weekend be the beginning of a, a summer series where we just go deep into a book of the Bible. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one is uh, simply that you know, we believe this book still matters. It's still relevant. It's still important. It is the foundation of how we know God's word. And so uh, we are uh, intentional about not just saying that or preaching from that in verses and, and bits, but also to go deep into it, uh, to actually learn what's in this book, to learn scripture, to learn the Bible. We feel like that's one of the most important things we can do as followers of Christ is actually know what's in here. And so we use it as an excuse to just go deep. And I would just hope and pray uh, this morning uh, that uh, this be, is maybe a beginning for you as well, that this can be uh, a summer where you commit to you know, reading through Daniel with us. As we preach from it every week, we'll have a chance to read through the book. There's only 12 chapters, and we'll spend 10 weeks in it. It is very, very much a manageable chunk for us this summer. And I would just encourage you to do that. Uh, one of the ways that we do that is we also recognize that summer uh, is a chance for many of us uh, that we'll travel. Uh, our kids are out of school, or, and so we'll go to the beach or we'll go... Uh, see family, it's a chance to, to be away from this place and away from normal rhythms. And so by being in a singular book, we use that as an opportunity to, to keep us connected through, through Scripture. And so wherever you are this summer, uh, if you're not here and worship with us one Sunday, and I hope that when you're in town, you're here. But if you're not here, uh, we get a chance to continue to read through Daniel. And so I just would encourage you to stay with us. Uh, again, we're going through it uh, chapter by chapter for the most part, and we'll publish that each week in our newsletter. as so you get a chance to just sort of hang out with us. And of course, we podcast our sermons. And so uh, you can listen and sort of study along. And so I'm hoping that even when we're not together uh, in our normal rhythms, that we will stay together in, in Scripture, stay together in Bible study. And so that's, whoa, that should say, I'll keep my hands here. That's good. Uh, but we'll stay together that way as well. And so that, that is really one of the hopes and designs. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to bring your attention to, too, is that just we, we really believe, and again, I know that you know this to be true, but a few weeks ago I introduced uh, to us uh, something called uh, Wesley's uh, which is John Wesley, Wesley's 22 questions for self-examination. And we walk through some of these questions that John and Charles Wesley, along with a, group of, a small group of, of guys in Oxford, as they were coming up, used as a chance to hold themselves accountable. And the questions are great. And if you've not seen them, they are online. We have them uh, connected to our last Tipping Points sermon series. We'll also have them connected to this sermon. So if you want to connect to those resources, they'll be on the app uh, later this week, as well as... Uh, just throughout the week, you'll see them there. Or you can just Google them. They're easy to find. But questions seven and eight of that, those reflection questions uh, are about Scripture. And question seven asks this question. Did the Bible live in me today? And then question eight says, do I give the Bible time to speak to me every day? So did the Bible live in me today? And do I give it time to speak to me every day? I think as we reflect on our own uh, personal discipleship, our own personal journeys, one of the things that I think is, can be critical for who we are as followers of Christ is to give Scripture, to give the Bible space, uh, space to live, on a, live in us, space, space to speak to us, and, and space for us to be founded on this Word so we might live it out uh, in the world. And so that, that is just our prayer. That is my challenge to you this summer. Uh, let this be a summer maybe where you are reconnected to Scripture in a new way. I know that uh, several groups, one of our leadership teams uh, for our discipleship team, has committed to 40 days to just be covenantally, like they've promised to be in Scripture together, they've promised to be in worship together, and so I know groups are doing that, families can do that, uh, you can do that with, with small groups, other places, but just find ways to create space for Scripture to live in you this summer. I think it's just so important to who we are, uh, who we are as God's people. 
And so that's what we're going to be doing. So we're going to be using Daniel as a, a tool for that, a Daniel to learn that. And so uh, this morning, mostly what I'm going to be doing is, is giving us a chance to, to understand the book as a whole and sort of where it fits in our uh, understanding of Scripture, where it fits in history, sort of set up the series so that next week we can really dive deep uh, into Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 1. So I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible, uh, open it up. It will not be on the screen. So this is going to be a good test. If you have a phone, maybe you have the Bible app, uh, you can open that up as well. Um, I'm going to ask you actually to start by opening it to your table of contents. Uh, and I just looked it up. If you have the Bible app, you can just click, I think, on uh, just the, the, the read, reader. There's like a reading list. Like, so you click on the, the, the book itself, and it will show you all the script books of Scripture. So I want you to open the table of contents. Mine looks like this. Uh, again, I had, a, I had a beautiful picture for the screens to show you what it looked like. So we're just going to use paper. I know it's old technology, but we'll use paper. Um, and so it, where Daniel sits in Scripture is Daniel was in the very last section of the Old Testament sort of the last third of the books, but really in my Bible, it's the last 100 pages. And so uh, we have about 700 pages in the Old Testament in my, in my Bible, and the last 100 or so, Daniel's right on that, that piece. And so it's the very last piece of it. And Daniel sits between uh, two sort of major sections of Old Testament Scripture. Uh, one is what we know as the major prophets. And so if you look at uh, your table of contents, those are Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And so you see those three are what we call major prophets. They're called major prophets, not because they're more important, although we do use them typically more often, because they're just longer. They're, they're longer periods of time. They deal with significant events in the life of the Israelites. And then the, the last 12 books are called the minor prophets. And so that is after Daniel. Uh, you see Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And yes, I did practice that. I want to make sure I got them right. But those are the minor prophets. And so Daniel sort of sits in between. Sometimes scholars link Daniel to the major prophets. Sometimes scholars link Daniel to Lamentations as wisdom literature, chances for us to read. It's called the writings in the Old Testament. The Old Testament really is grouped in these sections. And so Daniel sits in between, uh, the, the, again, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel and those minor prophets. And what Daniel's doing is, is, he, is he has both. He sort of has both the the history and the story of God's people, hence being connected to the writings, as well as the prophecy. Again, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, flip to Daniel itself, and you'll see Daniel has 12 chapters. And Daniel's broken really into two sections. Uh, Daniel 1 through 6 uh, are the stories of Daniel's life, the stories of Daniel's experience. Daniel lived about 600 B.C. Uh, he lived in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, which was the Babylonian king, the Babylonian empire. That's where most of Daniel's story takes place. And then chapters 7 through 12 are all prophecy. They are like the apocalyptic literature. Like I know some of you are like, you know, Pastor Tim, can we just preach from Revelation? Like I've been waiting for this. Well, here's your chance. We get to preach from Daniel. It's just like Revelation. I mean, nobody actually ever says that to me, just to be clear. <laughs> but we're going to spend time in both those sections. And so Daniel 1 through 6 are the stories that you probably know. If you know Daniel, those are the familiar stories. Uh, those are Daniel and the lion's den. Those are... Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Those are the handwriting on the wall. Uh, some of you may even know, like, there's a popular diet now based on Daniel. Uh, that's in chapter 1, so we'll get to that, like, next week. And so if you're looking for a diet plan this summer to get bathing suit ready, it's right there. Just, it's too late. It started yesterday. Um, so that's where we are. So, that's what, that's what, so we're going to spend a lot of time in both those sections. Again, we're going to do this in 10 weeks uh, and just spend time, again, 1 through 6 and then, and then in 7 through, through 12 and, and this is where, where we are. And I'm going to actually, let me read. So again, keep your Bible open. Let's clear. Uh, Daniel 1, verses 1 and 2. So here is the intro to kind of where we are. Daniel 1, verses 1 and 2. 
In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power, as well as some of the vessels of the house of God. These he brought to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So historically, this, this is where we are. Uh, and I had, a, I had a beautiful map. I'm just going to, we're going to pretend, we can all look there and just pretend there's a map. Okay, there's a map. Uh, and on the map, uh, Babylon uh, was actually situated in what we now know as modern-day Iraq. And so if you can picture the Middle East, uh, Iraq sort of sits uh, just beside Jerusalem in the, the peninsula that is uh, the Israelite peninsula, or the, the edge, not the peninsula, that coast right there. And, and Iraq is right there uh, to the east of that space. And uh, many of you may have remember, actually, Saddam Hussein actually compared himself often to Nebuchadnezzar. He was, in many ways, sort of trying to relive out uh, Nebuchadnezzar's glory. And he was actually in the process of rebuilding Babylon. Babylon right now is only a city of ruins. Uh, but there was a, a process in Iraq when, when there was oil money that was flowing freely where they were really trying to rebuild and reinvest in Babylon. And there was a, a real dis- connection between that uh, between Hussein and Nebuchadnezzar. So there's a historical tie-in. But Nebuchadnezzar lived about 600 or so B.C., and, and the Babylonian Empire had expanded beyond that area to take over, sort of butt up against the Israelites in the nor- northern and the southern kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar broke in several times. They would send armies into Jerusalem, and three times he sent them in, and they would, just, they would, they would siege it. They would attack it. They would create peace treaties, and then for about a three-year window, they'd be at peace, and then the king that was there at the time would rebel against uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and they'd come back in and fight again. And the third time is when they actually destroy the temple. Uh, again, this is about 600 B.C. They destroy the temple, and they take all of the, the gold and the silver and the vessels in the temple out of Jerusalem and take it back to Babylon. And we'll see that theme come up again and again in this, uh, in this book. And with that, they also took servants, and they took wise men and artisans, like artists, and they took... A royal family took all these folks with them out of Jerusalem back to Babylon and what we know historically as the Babylonian exile. And so this is happening while the leaders of Jerusalem, the, the people who write, the authors, all the folks that had any uh, sort of influence in that area, they pulled them out and they were in exile for this period from about 600 B.C. to about 530 B.C., for that 70 years. And then ultimately Cyrus, which is how this book closes, Cyrus sets them back free, a Persian king, takes over Babylon, and sets them free to go back into, into Jerusalem. So Daniel then writes, the, the period that this book is set aside, those first six chapters especially, are in that 70-year time frame. And then the prophecy stretches from 530 B.C. all the way to about 100 B.C., so to about, to about the time of the Roman Empire coming in. And so you begin to see him look ahead and reflect on God's presence in all this, these places. Again, this is very historical. Uh, Alexander the Great uh, is one of those kings that he lo- looks at and points to. And so you'll get, we'll get into some of this history uh, as we move through the book. Um, I want us to flip, actually, first to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 36. So again, if you need your table of contents, go get it. It's totally fine. I needed mine. Um, so go to Second Chronicles 36. These are not places that, unless, like, that we normally sort of dig into. But Chronicles and Kings, both First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, tell the story of the history of the kings in Jerusalem and the northern and southern kingdoms. And so Second Chronicles is one of those places uh, that that story is told. Second Chronicles 36, verse 20. Again, I won't read through all of it. It's a great place if you want to go back and get some context, go read it this week. This is about Nebuchadnezzar. It says, He took into exile in Babylon 
those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia. So that's, that's that story. And again, I want to flip back to 2 Kings. We'll do the same thing. 2 Kings uh, chapter 24, verse 16. It says, The king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon all the men of valor, 7,000, the artisans and the smiths, 1,000, all of them strong and fit for war. The king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, king in this place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Again, I totally practiced that before I got here, just to be clear. <laughs> but we see this story situated in Israel's greater story. So Daniel, although 12 chapters, is part of this greater litany of kings and rulers and history that, that talks about the history of God's people. That's, that's where we are. Now, some of you may look at me and be like, okay, great, I came to church not to get a history lesson. I came to church to be preached to? I don't know if that's right. Preach, we, we preach at you. No, that's not either. Um, but no, we come to church to get a sermon. Like, so what's that sermon look like? What is this, why does this matter to me? Why does all this history matter to me? One of the things that I continue to find about Scripture, about God's Word, is that God's story, while this is not a history book, while the, like the, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is that the purpose of Scripture is not to tell all of the historical events that happen in the life of a, of a people. This is a book, this is a story that is situated in history. Nebuchadnezzar was a real ruler. He was a real king. He's not someone we just find in the, the, the pages of the Bible. It's someone we find across other traditions, other, other patterns, other history. And Nebuchadnezzar was someone who did indeed take over Jerusalem. Again, we know that from other sources. And Daniel's story, God's story of God's people, sits right there in the midst of history. And that's important for us for a lot of reasons. One, it reminds us uh, that this story is, is true. It's situated in a true narrative, in a story that, that travels across time. But I think more importantly for us this morning, it reminds us that, that has always been God's choice. God has chosen to work in history. God has chosen to work in and through people, real people in real times, with real distress, with real problems. Like God has chosen to, to be in our lives, in our stories, and when things get disrupted, God chooses to break into those stories. God didn't just create us, and create this world, and create humankind, and all the things in it, sort of wind it up and let it go, and then never to think about it again. God instead chose to create this world, create all all of us, all of God's creation, all of God's people, and then throughout history, throughout time, God has stayed in this story with us. When things have broken, when things have gone poorly, God breaks back in and calls his people to us. It's the story of of Noah, it's the story of Exodus, it's the story of Jesus. That when humanity had turned away, when our love failed, or fails, I would say, God chose to break in and draw us back and call us back to make a new way by which we might encounter God and be changed by God again. There's this great line in uh, the New Testament and the Gospels where Jesus is journeying in uh, on a donkey into Jerusalem. We just celebrated this the week before Easter. And everybody's shouting. They're, you know, they're laying down coats, and the kids are waving. There were kids there too, but our kids all come. They come in, they wave palm branches, and they shout Hosanna. And they're shouting, and, and the Pharisees look at Jesus during this time, and they say to him, like, tell your disciples to be quiet. They're basically causing a ruckus. Like, like they shouldn't be making fools of themselves. And Jesus looks back at these Pharisees, and he says, if they didn't do it, if they didn't shout Hosanna, you know God would raise up the rocks to sing praise to me. 
Like that's, that's God's ability. God has the ability God, to just raise up the rocks, the trees, to use creation to sing praise. And yet, God still chooses us to be vehicles of God's word. God still chooses real people in real times with real problems, historical and personal, that God still chooses to work through us to be vessels and vehicles of God's transforming power to invite others into this greater story, this, this deeper story that we're called to be a part of. You know, this weekend, uh, many of us will be doing lots of things. And we, my own family, we were at the pool on, on Saturday and then, uh, or Friday, and then we've been hanging out with, with family and, and with neighbors and, and all these things this weekend. Uh, and, you know, and there's lots of things. You know, we, my, my wife um, invited me. I mean, we chose to install a new dishwasher, and so I did that yesterday. Um, and so we, we have these things we do. We use long weekends to do, you know, to do things, to do projects, to be in places. And, and we find ourselves in lots of places, whether it's you know, Lowe's Home Improvement Store, or whether it's the grocery store, or whether it's in neighborhoods, whether it's at pools, whether it's just with friends, whether it's just with family, maybe it's you know, by ourselves, wherever we may be. But when we find ourselves in these places, the question we have to ask, we have to recognize, is that God's call in our lives is that wherever we are, God is, is inviting us to be used to be vehicles of God's grace, vehicles of God's love, vehicles of God's peace. That our kindness, our patience, our love in these places is a chance for us, like Daniel, to be a real person of God, sometimes in new places, sometimes with new people, sometimes with new, uh, new you know, lots of things where we might actually share uh, God's word, where we might share uh, God's love, share God's grace, share God's peace. But when people see us, and you'll hear me say this again this morning as I send us from this place, when people see us, they might actually see Jesus. See, I mean, that, that is our invitation. God is still using us today. This, this book is not just a book of ancient stories. It's a book of God's ongoing story across time, across history, with real people, in real places, where God chooses to continue that story. Daniel's story is our story. It's a story of a people that are in, you know, we're not in physical exile, most of us, although some people in our country certainly are, but almost as foreigners in a land where we are sometimes pulled apart. When we leave this place, you're often in places now where you're not you know, just around other Christians. You're with other people in the places where you work, where you play, where you live. And when you're in those places, God is calling us, just as God called Daniel, to be a people who faithfully reflect what it means to be people of integrity, a people of character, people that reflect God's wisdom, God's power, God's love, and all that we do. And so this is my challenge this summer. Again, the first challenge is just find ways to be in Scripture. Again, as John Wesley says, do you allow Scripture to live in you? Do you create space for it to live in you every day? So find ways to be in God's Word. Let God's Word be relevant for you in new ways again. And two, everywhere you are, you'll be, you might find yourself in places you, not, you aren't normally. Whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're at work, whether you are traveling, Make sure that the character you express is consistent with the character that you're called to on Sunday mornings. May your life reflect God's call on our lives and all and all that we do. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to close with a song this morning. Almighty God, in your, in your grace, in your patience, in your, in your love, even though we fail often, you still choose to use us. You still choose to use your people, real people, in real places with real problems as vehicles and vessels of your hope, your love, your joy, your peace in this world.
So this morning, Lord, we just pray that you would fill us up, that you would challenge our own spirits with your Holy Spirit, and that through your comforter, through your counselor, through your your direction, we might continue to live out uh, the living word, the living expression of your gospel in this world. Help us to be a people who do leave this place and don't leave our faith here, but take our faith with us into all the places that we go. Pray this in Christ's name.